Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend Dick Foth on a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview with Claudia Dempsey, where she shares the story of how God has um, brought healing in the midst of a tragedy um, in her family. Dick, so great to be with you again here today. Always wonderful to see your face, even if those other people can't. I like it. We're zooming. <laughs> and Dick is, get, is seeing the uh, quickly graying of Aaron Santamire. Over the months that he's got to know me, I think uh, uh, my hair has went from 5% gray to uh, 50% gray, and he's probably saw it uh, live and in, well, in person. So, People who have hair, even when it's gray, get no sympathy from me. <laughs> like I used to say to my kids, you see this head? It used to have a wave, and now it has a beach. So <laughs> Dick, uh, the first question sent in from a listener was, um, said that they had heard you say one time that life is what you get when you expect something else. Uh, right. They must have heard you speak or share that sometime. Can you unpack this for, for us? Sure. And, and I've been saying that quite a lot in the last year. Life is what happens when you expected something else. Um, recently, I spoke a series of messages in, that we used because it's virtual in several different places. So it's going to be at NCC and some of their supplementary material that the bonus is what they call it. It's going to be Mount Hermon Conference Center in California. And then for Convoy of Hope, three messages. On the theme, Jesus is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13.8. And um, the, the, the thesis is this. Uh, I can quantify yesterday and today. That's what I know I have. Hmm. You know, I have this moment with you. I could have the big one an hour from now, and then we're done. But, but right now, I have this moment. What I don't know that I have is tomorrow. Wow. And I can't plan for whatever might happen tomorrow. I mean, one phone call, one nanosection, one nanosecond in an intersection yeah. changes the whole world. I yeah. mean, it just, it just does. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the frame of reference for that statement is you don't want to go through your whole life every day being unexpectedly surprised. I think to be able to say, I will be surprised by tomorrow. Things could happen nationally, internationally, personally, with my family, in my brain, in my heart. And so life is what ha happens when you expected something else. I never expected to be this old. Hmm. I never expected to be this old and still be invited to be on a podcast. So there's a lot <laughs> of stuff I never expected, right? And, and so... Here, here's the baseline for a response to that. Okay. And it's Hebrews 13.8. And the, the actual uh, original reads this way. Jesus Christ, and, and again, Paul, but not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews, whomever that is, is writing to whomever he's writing to. They think probably the diaspora, the scattered Jewish believers in Jesus under persecution. And he comes, he, he talks in the 13th chapter about a variety of practical things, about your family, about sex and marriage and money, those first few verses. And then he drops this in. Jesus Christ is yesterday and today 
the same and forever. Because yesterday and today can be quantified. Forever is a different dimension. Wow. And, and what he's saying is the forever Jesus is in your yesterday. He was there. Yeah. He's in your today. And he will be in your tomorrow. But he doesn't wow. say tomorrow. He says forever. Wow, that's good. And so to understand that that's the place I stand, like Archimedes or whatever the guy said, you know, whatever that old guy said about show me a place to stand and I'll move the earth, you know? Yeah. Um, I may, I may not understand what's coming, but I need to be ready for what appear to me to be surprises. And by being ready, I mean, stand over here in Hebrews 13, eight, stand hmm. there. And then whatever comes, comes. I'm, I may not, you know, whatever I'm surprised by, Jesus isn't. Yeah. It's just like, whatever guys I don't like, Jesus likes those guys, apparently. <laughs> right? So, and, and, and I may not understand in traumatic days what's going on. The second piece of that, because of that, I need to have a band of brothers and sisters. Hmm. Stand with me. You know, we get letters from missionaries all the time, and almost always they close with, "It'd be nice if you could send a dollar, but if you can't, this is a folk paraphrase. Please send your prayers." Yeah. Well, I think that both of those things are absolutely valid and important. Yeah. And uh, so I, coming back to the thing about praying together, if yeah. you will, I think we should pray together about saying who in our context are individuals hmm. or you're a couple, another couple or two where we could be a band of brothers and sisters. So when the surprises come, when that, what, when you expected something else shows up, that's your, that's your first line of defense, if you will, your first yeah, line good. of response. And, you know, what I do know is that even though what I said is true, life is what happens when you expected something else we as believers in Jesus can't afford to live a life of trepidation. We can't mm. afford to live always with angst about tomorrow. Mm. You can't. Yeah. I mean, you can, and it, and it will absolutely take away your today. Yeah. There was a missionary friend years ago that said there were two thieves on the cross, and metaphorically, one was, one was yesterday and the other's tomorrow. If you spend time there, you lose today. And so um, we need to understand that we're in a war. We need to understand that tough things happen in a war and tough things happen in life. Generally, even if, if we don't believe there's a, a, a war, a spiritual battle. And so we just need to be the kind of people who by Jesus presence in our lives, bring Shalom to the moment. And Good word. That's not a burden. That's just a, that's a place to rest. No, it's good. Dick, the second question they added, and you've kind of already began to answer that. Their second question was, who do you turn to when, when this quote is a reality in your life? And also, how do you guide your family in, in, in these type of times? You know, there, there are, I have a friend in Oregon. You know, I heard this when I was 55 years old. So, you know, I had a lot of lot of water under the bridge by the time I got to the state. He said, if you decide early on, so this would be 
for children or for younger listeners. If you decide early on to choose two or three or four people in your life that are older than you are, who would speak into your experience, the decisions will take care of themselves. So hmm. along the way, Ruth and I had never sat with another couple uh, looking at life and this moment and scriptures until we got to Washington, D.C. Hmm. The reason for that, that, that wasn't a model I was raised with. I was raised with big meetings and the bigger the better. And the problem with having to do events, and you know this, is that over time, it wears out the leaders and it wears out the followers. Yes, it does. Whereas if it's two on two or a small band of brothers or sisters, those can go on forever. I have conversations with a couple of friends who are in their 90s, who are 15, 16 years older than I am. And I call them still for input and for to share history, to look back and say, wasn't God good there? So I think who I turn to, oftentimes I'll turn to a couple of those folks. Now we have adult children. Our eldest daughter next week will be 55. And that makes you feel terrible. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't know that I was old. And I hear that and I said, whoa, I'm just... You know, I get about two two steps and I'm out here. This is not <laughs> but oftentimes we will talk to our adult children, and it's amazing what adult children can do to give insight and input in moments like that. Wow. Wow. Gold gold as always. Dick, we appreciate you being on the podcast again with us today on Back Channel with Foth. We're going to go ahead and move into our interview with Claudia Dempsey. As I've shared earlier, Claudia's family has went through a very difficult time and, and a tragic situation, but it's amazing to see how God has brought her through it and the lessons she's learned in the process. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today in the middle of a rainstorm in uh, Montana Nariva, Madagascar with a new friend, uh, Claudia Dempsey. And um, I'm so excited um, to spend some time with her today and have a, a very important conversation that I believe that spoke to me as we, we talked on the phone leading up to this, this interview. And I am sure that it's going to speak to the audience as they listen in today. Claudia, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and um, just share a little bit um, with them about who you are, and then we'll jump into some questions. Hi, yes. I, uh, Claudia Dempsey, and I work at Liberty University. I'm one of the uh, department chairs for the School of Divinity. Very privileged specifically to be working with our online students and our online faculty. So I have this amazing opportunity to connect with people peers around the world and then students around the world. So um, even sitting here today talking to you and the, the wonder of technology, this is something I get to do daily and just being able to connect with people who are really looking to partner together, but we're, we can't do so side by side, but we can connect long distance and uh, and so appreciative of the fact we get to do that. Yeah. So thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. The COVID situation didn't catch you by guard then because you've been online education for a while. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, I know uh, Liberty University, like most universities, were really hit hard trying to 
figure out how they were going to navigate this residentially. But our yeah. online programs, and, and I can speak specifically to School Divinity, this is kind of what we do. We just rolled with it. And I will say, I really didn't, I don't see where it impacted us much at all other than really needing to position ourselves to serve students who were impacted. So yeah. our systems kept going and uh, just now needing to know how to serve students who were being hit hard and being able to offer them the support and assistance. But um, very fortunate. Yeah, we had a structure that enabled us to walk right through it. Man, and that that's exciting, and uh, just to see the the ways of education and the the different opportunities. You know, I went to Bible college, and it was in the class, and um, but just to see uh, different opportunities today. Claudia, you know, when we talked on the phone, um, you you shared a story uh, in a moment that has that greatly impacted your life and your family, and um, you know, as we jump in today, it's. Uh, it's a story that I've thought about many times um, since we talked. Would you just begin to share a little bit about um, that day that, that really impacted your family? Um, and we'll just start there. Yeah. Well, it was one of those moments. Um, you hear people so often talk about that proverbial phone call that comes in. And it was uh, that phone call that came in. And it was um, just a summer morning. It was about a year ago. And um, uh, the individual on the other end of the phone uh, asked for me and proceeded to tell me that my mom was at the, the local hospital in the uh, surgical ICU unit, but she was very cryptic, oddly cryptic. And I was, I was trying to get some information and uh, she would not give uh, one iota. And, and it sounded incredibly bizarre, but I knew at the same time, something was terribly urgent. So I got off the phone. I called my husband immediately. He was working just a few minutes from, from the hospital and through tears. I said, I don't know what's going on. Uh, something's wrong. Can you please get down there? I'll get myself together and I'll be there as soon as I can. So I quickly, you know, got myself together, raced down there. And as I pulled up, he was standing out front and I, I get choked up even thinking about seeing him there. So I, I get out of my car and I'm kind of running to the front door and he says, listen, I'd like for you to sit down. Now you have to imagine, um, there, nothing in me wants to take a seat. Get me inside this hospital. Somebody tell me what's going on. Is my mom alive? Is, is my mom dying? What, what is going on? He said, I need you to take a seat. And I could just tell, you know, from the look in his eyes that I probably needed to be prepared for what was coming. So I <laughs> reluctantly sat down and he proceeded to tell me that um, my mom had been shot the night before and my grandmother, who lived with her, had been shot and killed. Now, you have, mm. you have to know, there's nowhere in, in my realm of thinking where this made any sense. My mom was just such a quiet individual. They uh, kept to themselves. They um, lived in this rural community. And, and to, you know, a woman in her 70s and then my grandmother in her 90s to be shot and killed it didn't we didn't live a life that that fit anywhere in in our thinking and so mm. um i had no details and so he you know wanted to continue to talk to me there in front of the hospital i'm like dave i've got to get up so I have to see my mom now even more so and when we went in it was very you know this cryptic nature of the phone call i could now begin to understand what was happening because they um i needed to they needed to verify my identity before i could go in they had locked the unit, um, and it was very like police monitoring who's there. And 
come to find out that my mom had been shot um, multiple times and uh, was there, you know, not quite when I walked in, not quite aware of all that was going on, just recovering. Um, but, um, you know, aware that my grandmother had been shot and killed as well. It didn't make it. So, you know, as we as a family there needing to unpack all of this, and um, as I shared with you on the phone, it became that moment became this pivotal turning point for me with a new understanding of God's providence like I had never understood before. And, and somebody could look and say, that's providence. <laughs> somebody was shot. Somebody was murdered. God's providence. Where was God in all this? And, and I'll tell you why I, I say that. The shooting took place on a Tuesday, but it was the Monday before that Monday morning, I was just having my, you know, regular devotional time and I was praying and journaling and God kind of broke into that, that time that morning. And very clearly, I felt like he spoke to my heart and said, Claudia, are you ready for a challenge? And it was so clear. I wrote it down in my notebook. I still got that today. I look at it periodically. And, and my response in that moment, I said, Lord, if you are asking if I'm ready for a challenge, this is no ordinary challenge. So my answer is no. Do I feel like I can do this? Do I feel like I'm enough to tackle what would, could be some of life's worst? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't feel ready. But if you'll carry me, if you will sustain me and you will walk me through it, then, then I say yes to anything you want to bring my way. And wow. so this, you have to know coming into now the next day with the shooting, that, that was on my mind. It was on the forefront of my mind. And walking through this whole season of, of knowing that uh, God's fingerprint was on this. And while, you know, I couldn't understand all the details, I walked in a very strange and unusual sense of peace through what would be one of life's most heartbreaking confusing, bizarre circumstances, yet knowing that God had this changed everything. Wow. Claudia, you know, when we, we talked on the phone, you shared a part of your story that, that really resonated with me because many of the listeners that are listening um, have, you know, when you live overseas and, and you're serving um, and, and missionaries, there's a lot of trauma that goes on. And, um, and, and you're sharing your story of a traumatic event. The other thing that really, didn't you share with me that your mom did prison ministry? And was that a part of the story? Yeah, so she was um, in full-time prison ministry. And um, she and my stepdad were both in, in uh, prison ministry. And uh, to be perfectly honest, that was, you know, they initially wondered if that was part of the you know, what led up to the shooting? Did they annoy somebody? Did they speak to the wrong person or say the wrong thing? And uh, they were eventually able to rule that out. But but I will say this, this is for me uh, something that I think, again, clear, clearly speaks to God's providence in this, is that Tuesdays were my mom's fasting days, where she would take the whole day and pray and fast. Um, and I believe that's one of the reasons she walked away that day, Aaron, because we were able to find out after the man who, who shot them, uh, he was um, apprehended probably about a month after this. He was just an 18-year-old looking to just, he was bored, just looking to get into some trouble. He hmm. stood about uh, 15 feet away from her outside her home late in the evening. Uh, it was probably about 1130 as she was watching uh, TV. He stood 
uh, outside her window so he could see in clearly. And he released six shots at her with a laser guided uh, 45 caliber gun. And mm. if you look at the kind of the window and the, um, the screen where the shots went through, they were in very, very close proximity. He wasn't just being haphazard. He was shooting to kill. And my mom at 74 years of age, she was hit um, multiple times, but for all intents and purposes, got up and walked away when wow. she should have never, ever walked away. And, I, you know, so it's, speaking of God's providence, how even when life is completely stacked against you and the odds are, are not in your favor, we can walk through the most challenging circumstances, God, it's almost the parting of the Red Sea. He, he creates ways where there is no way when his will is to move forward. And um, yeah, so that clearly, you know, it's just another, if I could go on, Aaron, with just the ways that God just demonstrated his providence through this entire ordeal. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And um, as you share this story, I mean, to me, it takes uh, profound courage um, to be able to share the story and um, and share that what God has been doing in your heart and in your life and how. And so I just wanted to see how has God been caring for you and your family um, during this time? You know, it, it's so strange. Um, my mom and I, so my mom moved in with us uh, immediately following this. Uh, we had a home, thankfully, that could accommodate them. So she and my stepdad moved in with us. They, you know, we're not going to go back to that home. And uh, we, we talked and we talked and we talked and we both felt such an incredible sense of God's, God's hand over this. I can't explain it. And what, what was so strange to both of us is that we would at times watch those around us, other family members, very close friends who were so panicked by this. And and distraught. We had we had friends who who said, you know, they had to, you know they had to just go talk to somebody. They had to process through this because it was so it was so sad. It was so heavy and weighty. And yet we sat in the very middle of it, saying, we absolutely feel carried. So it is. I think you know this sense of when you just know that God has you, and life life's telling you everything is upside down and going wrong and broken and. But you know that God has you. It doesn't make the brokenness suddenly okay. It doesn't make the pain not there, but it changes everything. And you now walk through that season of confusion or hurt or discouragement or despair, whatever it is, but you walk through that now with a sense of purpose. And I think that's what was provided to us. And I think that's what was such a, a blessing to us was feeling that there was something to this. And that's kind of why... I have wanted to, you know, capitalize on these opportunities to talk about it. Um, we wanted very clearly from the beginning, how can God be glorified? How can God be glorified? Where do we have opportunity here to put all the glory back onto God? We were not going to be victims and say, wow, yeah, we really they got us on that one. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll kind of come up on the, on the flip side, you know, the next time around, but we didn't want that. We wanted to, through this, say, God is always victorious. And we don't, we don't see the ending. We still haven't gone to the trial with, with everything with COVID. Everything's been pushed back. So we don't know how things are going to end with this um, as far as just maybe the, the legal ramifications of what could happen. But even in it, knowing that 
God's got this and there's a purpose and he can be glorified. And we just kind of sit waiting to see how he's going to continue to use us for his glory. And so for you, you work in the school of divinity at Liberty. And so the other thing I, I just, as I, we were thinking about this and I was thinking about questions I would love to, to ask you, how has this impacted? I mean, you're, you're teaching in the divinity school. So how has this impacted maybe your view of God, your understanding, and has it impacted your theology at all? Um, if, if anything, it drove things home further. So I don't think anything changed. Things that I thought I knew or I thought I believed, I found myself going to a deeper place where things were confirmed. Yes, my God is absolutely in control. And, and I'm telling you, this, this life, this journey can be so challenging. It can really threaten faith on so many levels like, or threaten our ability to hold to our faith. And, you know, because understanding God's providence really is like reading Hebrew text. You sometimes only get it when you, when you read it backwards. You know, you don't always see and, and God so often chooses to remain quiet and to not bring breakthrough moments like we want, or even just send that little divine memo of, hey, I've got this. Hold on. You don't, you don't see it. You don't know what's happening. I've got this. And we don't always get those. So this was one of those rare moments where I got the memo and it positioned me to, to really approach everything so differently. And, you know, having been through loss and pain and, and, and trial through life, like we all are, I knew some of these things and God had already planted some of those seeds. But, it, you know, as I said, it really was this deepening and this confirming of, of who he is in this resolution of, I want to sell out in faith to him. I, I, you know, when I'm going to plant that flag and say, this is the hill I'm going to die on, that hill is going to be that my God's got this. And I, I, don't, I don't have to have it. And I don't even in my time have to see the ending and the outcome be what I would most like or I would most understand. I'm going to plant that flag here on the hill and say, my God's got this, whatever it is. And, you know, as a parent trying to translate that into how I work with my children, how I watch them walk through suffering, how life's so complex and complicated and unpleasant at times that it really is a, it's a journey of faith but coming to that place for all of us where we say, God's got this. Yeah. And it's not going to be my strength that gets me through. It's not going to be my theology that gets me through it. It's going to be my just desperate clinging to his sovereign hand through it all. Yeah, it's good. If somebody's listening to the audience, you've used the word God's providence a, a few times um, throughout this. Can, can you unpack um unpack that a little bit, God's providence and um, how, how you've grown deeper in understanding of that um, during this time? Because I think it's, it's a, a very, very powerful um, insight that sometimes we don't necessarily um, give enough um, uh, thought or focus on. But just the idea of God's providence. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as we talk about providence, it is this idea of his governing authority of this order amidst disorder. And so, you know, to rely on God's providence is this total reliance on his power and his order and his authority 
and his sovereignty and um, kind of looking at it like this, this net, this catch all net that despite what I see, despite what I even do, despite what life throws our way, there is this safety net that um, not just catches everything, but really in unseen ways provides structure um, and dictates sequence and orders events in a way that we can never understand. And because he's infinite, we'll always supersede our understanding. But it really is this reliance. And I heard, I think it, maybe it was Spurgeon, I'm not sure who, who said it, but you know, a lack of reliance in God's sovereignty really is like a malaria of the soul. Hmm. It's a sickness that, that hits our soul and really cripples us in ways and yet coming to that place of spiritual maturity where we say, no matter what we see, he's got this, that yeah. there's grace in the midst of what we see as disgrace. There's order in the midst of what we would say is disorder, that he really does have this. And it's his authority that's unwavering, regardless of what it looks like on our end. That's good. Very powerful. You know, parents listening into this, as I shared um, I think that's is me as a father. I have a 16-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. And when we go through traumatic events like you have just described, one of the, for me, I'll own it, the struggles that I have is how do I explain, not that maybe it's not my job to explain, but how do I relate um, my confidence and my trust in God to my kids and not in a theological, you could do that because that's your, your phenomenal at that, but how do we distill that and we can have conversations with our kids to understand? I don't know if you'd be willing just to share a little bit. I don't want to go make you feel like you're going too personal into this, but I think it'd be very valuable for our listeners to understand because that's a question we struggle with as we go through a traumatic event. We want our kids not to, not for them not to lose trust in God and not to lose faith in God. And at the same time, if we give them a, an answer at 30,000 feet that might be great in a theological text, that's not going to resonate in their heart. Could you just share a little bit about that and how we can convey this, the trust that you're, you're conveying to our, to our children? Yeah, I, I think I would start off with this encouragement for frequent communication, open the door to really talk, to invite genuine conversation. So where it's messy on your part or their part, meaning, you know, we don't have all the answers. Gosh, I'm a little confused about this one. What does all this mean? Yes, we're sorting through this. Wow, I didn't really expect that. Having those conversations. But for me, I can, I can speak to what I've done as a mom in the midst of this. And yeah. that is just continuing to provide my assurance. There have been time for my times in the lives of my children where things weren't adding up, things weren't yeah. going well, things didn't look well, and they were they were in challenging places. And I remember in those seasons and like this one, I've I've had to say to them, listen, I know you don't quite see it, mm. but because of the great rapport I've had with them, I've said, Listen, I know you're having trouble trusting God in this one. I want you, I want to invite you, and I want to ask you, trust me and the faith that I have in him right now. Wow. Because you're going to see, as you begin to build legs of your own, 
you're going to learn what it is and what it looks like to have faith in him. But as, as those legs, legs are still a little bit wobbly, as you're trying to discern some of that, have faith in the faith that I have. Because hmm. I'm telling you, and I've told them time and again, I know that I know that I know God has got this. And I don't use those sort of conversations with my kids very much where I say, listen, believe me on this. You know, yeah. so I reserve that for these, for these special moments. And, and that is the way that I begin to have conversation with my children in this season when they were like, Mom, uh, what's going on? Um, what, you know, where is God in this? Yeah. And I would communicate to them, you know, in the midst of it, keep, keep praying, be, have honest conversations with God. It's okay that if what you bring to him is a little bit messy, it doesn't need to be clean and neat when you talk to him. Say, God, I, hmm. I don't get this. I don't like this. I'm confused. But in the back of your mind, hold on to me and this, as your parent, and this lifeline I'm throwing you saying, God has got this, and I know it with every fiber of my being. And using that to kind of help them through it. But, and I will say in this situation, which is a little bit unusual than some others, they took incredible hope. In, in knowing that God spoke to mom before this mm. happened and that God kept grandma as she was fasting when she should have never made it. So they had a bit of an unusual, I want to say almost advantage in this one that we were able to pull back the veil a little bit. And, but that's yeah. the challenge I think with Providence is that we so often, we want a lens mm. so that we can always see life through Providence, through these providential yeah eyes and we we don't rarely you know we don't often get that so yeah. um that's why this situation was so unusual and i really wanted to speak to god's providence because he gave a little bit of that initially which framed things so clearly for us no that's great i had a friend share um one time with me he said you know if aaron if you have to under understand and logically comprehend it all then it's not not a, it's not real trust. And, um, I think that's what you're sharing there and it's so valuable. Um, another practical point, how did you, how did others care for you? Cause I think, um, as I've shared people listening to this, it's common in our lives to have, um, events, not, not as, as, as traumatic event as you went through, but carjackings and house break-ins and, and being touched in inappropriate ways and inappropriate places, you know, as you walk down the street and in different countries and things that, that really are, are those little traumas end up building up. And so how did people care for you and your family? How did you feel loved? And then also how did people care for you and, and, and so that your children felt loved in this process? Because I think that's sometimes are, can be a concern is we don't, when you don't know what to say, cause there's not a right answer to the story you just shared. There's not a right response. Um, but right. how did you feel loved and cared for in that process? Cause I think that would really encourage others so they wouldn't know how to respond. Um, so people feel loved. Right. No, that's a great question. Cause it really, it really makes a difference. You, you see in moments like this, when your world is, is shaken, sometimes shattered, uh, you really start to look around who's around me and who are these critical uh, people who have a, a role in my life. And, and the, the areas where we felt most supported were the people who kept showing up, you know, if, especially for something like this, everybody shows up initially, something wow. like this draws a crowd, draws some initial attention. And you see, there's, there's a very nice response. And I don't see that critically at all. And it was a very nice response. You feel supported but when you move into week two and week three and week four and week 10, 
and we wow. were 20, you know, yeah. um, those people who were, who still are there, who still let you know they're praying, who, who, who don't forget this and the significance of, of what something like this means. Or, um, and I, I will say, I found that that was one thing that was very challenging where the people who tried to be very respectful by not saying anything, hmm. boy, we don't want to bring it up and we don't want to make her sad by talking about it. Boy, and boy, that was so challenging. And now things have settled down. I, I don't want to stir the pot again. I, I grieved is far too, too strong a word. So maybe disappointed by, by the people in my life who had, who had some pretty significant roles who, who said nothing. And, and, you know, maybe that initial, gosh, I'm so sorry. And then never brought it up again or never checked in or, um, and I, I, they're great people. I think they were trying to be kind and they don't know what to say. So in this kind of notion of how do we care for people know that, they don't want these things to be forgotten. They don't hmm. want to just move on and, oh boy, yeah, we're, you know, some routines kind of coming back in and yeah, let's just get back to life as normal. No, life, life will never be normal. And even if when it's some of these smaller traumas you talked about, even just these little big, small blips on the radar of, ow, that one hurt a little bit. Yeah. If you're privy to know some of that, I would, I one, invite God, say, Lord, help me know how to be a support show me when to speak up, but to take some liberty of just providing support, encouragement, even if it's, hey, you're on my, my mind, I'm praying for you. Wow. That meant a great deal. Whereas I, I found, I was really surprised by what the absence of that felt like. Hmm. Um, I, was, I was bothered by the absence of that where some people had a voice to really speak to us, speak to our lives, and they just said nothing. And again, we never thought critically of them. We assumed, you know, this is a hard one to navigate. I'm sure they don't know what to say. But um, those who reached out, nobody ever said something that was too awkward or, wow, boy, look at how they're bringing that up. No, every time it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we are doing okay. Thank you for asking. It just Mm -hmm. meant like somehow what my mom walked through, the loss of my grandmother, those things weren't forgotten. And, And just having that conversation and lines of communication continually remaining open was very helpful. Yeah, that's good. And with your, with your kids, did, did, were there friends and family that were able to, to let them feel loved in the process too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for asking about that. Um, I was amazed to watch how, and it was mostly family members. I come from a pretty large family. Um, and most aren't in the area. So when we'd get together or even, you know, follow up times of getting together after this, I loved watching family members pull my kids aside and say, how are you doing? Hmm. What's happening? And watching my kids flourish under that chance to just speak about it and to be seen as somebody who, who was in the midst of that. I, you know, it would be very easy to say, wow, yeah, look at what my mom and my grandmother walked through. Hmm. But hearing my daughter tell her story of the day she heard, hmm. uh, and she actually, the way it was presented was just so, so unusual. It was very rushed. She thought that I was actually in the hospital as well. Wow. You know, it is so, I mean, even we don't know how people hear this or what their experience is. And so for those who are in that circle of their impacted, maybe not directly, maybe it's in, you know, secondary ways to give them a chance to voice their their experiences 
and mm. checking in with them. Hey, how are you? I know this was three months ago. What's happening? How, um, watching them be able to express through that really was my reminder of, of how significant this was in their lives. Hmm. Now, each of us who were connected had a very personal experience with this and sure. giving everybody that chance to process through it, to speak about it was really a great reminder and very helpful. No, that's a blessing. You know, because in the missions community, my kids, they, we call their, their, our colleagues, they're more than colleagues, they become your family. And so my kids call uncle and aunt and um, it, it becomes part of a family. So that really resonates, I think, as we talk mm-hmm. about this because it, it, we are a large a large family. The missionary community is a large family um, across denominations. And um, just to give people the um, encouragement right. to ask how um, when we go through these times to encourage and uh, and to hear and walk through that. And I've always valued as parents trying to put my kids in contact with people that will that I respect and love and giving them opportunities to speak into their life. And um, I think that um, is super valuable as well as you shared. I just would like to end with this one one last question before we move into a time of prayer. Um, what would what word of wisdom um, and encouragement would you have for maybe there's a listener and, and as broad a reach as this is, most likely there's someone that's listening to this that is that is maybe in a, a moment of a, of a dark night of the soul or they've just went through a traumatic event. What wisdom, encouragement, and um, just a word of hope could you speak to them today that they could hold on to? Because I really believe God uses um, words and, and uh, testimonies and stories that you shared to speak to people at the right time in the right place. And I really believe what you're sharing today will do that. Do you just have a word of hope and encouragement for somebody who might be in a, in a dark night or a, 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 just been through a traumatic event? Um, right. Yeah, no, I would love to because those are truly deep hearted, agonizing times. They really are. Um, uh, That sort of season, I think, can be discounted by some who look on, if there aren't the, you know, the, you know, in my scenario, we can look and say, wow, look at that traumatic event. But there are some equally deep and devastating events that happen or seasons we walk through where maybe there's not that level of external event going on. And yet there's this very, very deep work God is doing and it's very hard. And I, I just want to almost initially start by validating how real that is and how deep that sort of pain can go. And I've heard it said that Christians who have to grieve, have to sometimes grieve twice as much as an ordinary uh, individual in that they grieve the initial loss, they grieve a set of circumstances, they grieve disappointment, whatever it is, but then they have to grieve the second level of um, experience where a God who could have prevented all of that chose not to and, and wow. walk through that. And, and that's very real. And so for that person, when I think of like the dark night of the soul or, or those who walk through some some of the darkest seasons for me, what has made seasons like that in the past most difficult is God's silence where hmm. God's not showing up the way we want. He's not answering. He's not even just dropping that memo of, Hey, I've got this. Yeah. And that can be just devastating because for those who lay it all out on the line, who give themselves fully 
it makes no sense because we would never, as parents or as loved ones, we'd never leave somebody else like that hanging in that moment and not run to rescue them or run to comfort. But that'll sometimes withhold some comfort in seasons to do a very deep work. So my encouragement, one is know that what you're walking through is very real. And that, that deep hurt is very deep. Hmm. But two, to know that there is a large audience who has shared similar experiences and can testify that when this season is through, when, when, when it's through, um, and probably not until you know it's through, um, you will see God's hand at work. You will have that restoring sense of his 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 presence, his favor, his his direction that will return. And in those moments when you're waiting for it, cling in faith, um, mm-hmm. put up any structure you need to, to hold to him, cling to those nearby who are those trusted saints um, with those testimonies or with that, that company of, and that sense of maturity who can be a great support in that and hold on. It's, it's only for a season and just hold on because God will see you through it. Amen. Claudia, I really appreciate your um, your wisdom, your insight. I appreciate your courage and your strength to be able to share um, the journey that you've been on because I really believe it will. God is using it and will continue to use it to impact um, the life of others. And, um, and just really, how's your mom doing today? Uh, thank you for asking. My, my mom's doing great. She is doing well. She recovered. Again, uh, she was hit three times. Uh, and not one vital organ was hit, not wow. one major system. Uh, she recovered quickly because of that, and yeah. she's doing great. And she's just, believe it or not, if anybody you know hearing this thinks to pray for her, yeah. um, she's waiting for her, her next assignment. All right, wow. God, what's next? What do you want to yeah. do with me now following this? That's awesome. We could pray for her as Claudia's mom, but it just, could you share her name so we can maybe pray a little more specific? Absolutely. Yeah. Her name is Trudy. Great, great deal. So Trudy, and um, that'll help us pray a little more specific. Claudia, will you pray for the audience today? Um, just pray that God will use what you've shared today to speak to them wherever they're at um, around this world and that, that God is control and we can trust in him um, even when we do not understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for those who are listening. And Lord, the the thought that is on the forefront of my mind is that they are where they are. They're in the seasons they're in, the places they're in. They're facing the circumstances they are because that is what you have ordered. You could have placed them any time throughout history and given them any set of circumstances, but they are where they are in this season because you have so ordered it. So Lord, I ask, even as they listen today, but as they go forth, will you continue to provide your supernatural, uh, just provision of grace in their lives, through their lives, over their lives? Lord, may they be encouraged today to know that your hand is fully holding and in control and ordering all that they're walking through as they look at their own lives, as they look at the lives of their children and the the lives of those they're serving, that you are working out a plan and your thread of divine providence runs through it all. So Lord, 
will you be glorified through our lives? Will you be glorified through our efforts to serve you? Will you equip us, strengthen our hands for what is what lies ahead? Speak to our hearts, mature our spirits as we walk with you and we grow in you. And Lord, use us at the end of the day, we can say, Father, we lay it all down at your feet. It was for you and for your glory. And Lord, I do, I pray for my mom, for her next assignment, whatever that will be, Lord, guide her and direct her as you guide and direct each of us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 